Hi there. Welcome to Lake Ridge Community Church Podcast. Uh, this is a place where we get to share uh, some of our messages from Sunday mornings. Uh, we're glad that you're here to listen, but we'd also love to have you in person. So if you'd like to pop in some Sunday, we meet at 1030 at Our Lady of Wisdom School here in Chestermere. And uh, you can obviously check us out as well at uh, www.lakeridgecommunity.com. Thanks for listening. online. I know that there's a bunch of people watching on online too. We miss you and we love you. <laughs> I guess they'll just have to be that far away. Um, friends, uh, my name is Preston. I'm a pastor here at uh, Lake Ridge and what a gift it is to be here. Can I ask you to do one thing this morning in your heart? I want you to dig through the button called expectancy. I want you to switch it on this morning. Because did you know that when you go through something difficult or weird or strange, God uses that moment as a moment to say, ah, maybe they'll turn on the switch and live with a little bit of expectancy that I am going to do something in their midst today. So can you turn that on today? Because the words that I'm going to share today, I think, will be received really well by you if you live with this moment of expectancy. Now, the reason why we're shutting that button off in our lives is because we do not want to live with expectancy. We've been living in our basements. We've been in lockdowns. We don't know what the latest rules are coming from the government. We don't even know if we have a government. You know, like, we live with this in the moment. And we're frustrated, and so we turn it off because we don't know if God can meet us in these moments. Well, I'm here to say, for today, turn it on, because I believe God's going to share something that will help you step into this next season as the brave and courageous people of God that God knows that you are to be able to do and participate in the things that God is doing. And I'm excited. I'm very excited. So welcome. I think these are moments where God is meeting us, comforting us, showing us that we are his own and that we can trust him. Hey, throughout this fall, we are doing like the biggest sermon series that we've ever done, and it's called Beloved. We are going to dig into this word beloved, but we're going to do it in these little micro-sermon series all the way along in two-week little increments. So we're going to have a whole bunch of like two-part sermons where we're going to dig into some stories together. So we are going to set the table here over the next while, set the stage, set the table for us to have conversations and learning and grow together and interact in such ways that we come to terms with this idea that we are beloved. I think that this phrase that God calls us his beloved or that we are beloved to God, I think that this phrase is actually sums the sum total of the beautiful mystery of this life we have as people of God. Is that God calls us his beloved. We are beloved. It impacts the way we understand God. It impacts the way we understand ourselves. It impacts the way we understand church, our neighbors, even our sorrow or a pandemic. And even our enemies, because guess what? Even they are beloved by God. So it covers a lot of things. But we do not live with this expectancy that we are beloved and that God is calling us that. Because we look around and we go, what? If I'm beloved, things should be going better. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This has been one of my verses 
for this time is that God is working out something good here, and I want to be expectant of it. So our journey will be exploring some of these core affirmations that we hold as a church. Did you know we are part of a larger church called the Evangelical Covenant Church? We don't have a big secondary book of doctrines that you have to learn if you're part of the covenant. The covenant is the most ethnically diverse church in North America. There's people of every shade and background. It started by some Swedes, and there's a few Petersons around. Yeah, we've got some representation in the back. But besides that, uh, I think that that's it. We have have the Petersons, so thank you. Besides that, we have people from every background here, and we're grateful for that. God is doing something, and you know what holds us together? It isn't masker, anti-masker. It isn't liberal, conservative. These aren't the things that hold us together, and I've got to reveal something. We have it all here. Do you realize me and, pa- me and Pastor Evan have fielded pretty much every comment from the whole spectrum and gamut of political or health perspectives in this church? Do you think that that's what's holding us together today? Why all of you showed up here or everybody's watching online is because we all agree on these things? No. What holds us together is Jesus. And so the Covenant Church has these affirmations that center us on this, that we are the beloved children of God. That is our core identity. And so we are going to journey through some of these affirmations together. Affirmations like that we have a common mission with Christians around the world. That we have freedom in Jesus. That we depend on the Holy Spirit and that there's joy in turning to Jesus anew. So we hold these affirmations, and it all comes down to this, that we are God's beloved. So this morning, we're going to talk about the affirmation that we share together of something called the centrality of the Word of God, or what I call it, which is that it's the story of God in us. That core to who we are as people, the core that even brings us together, is that the Word of God is central to us. It's core. That this Bible, for example, these, this is actually 66 books written over thousands of years, and there's these stories of God that we flip open and we go, what is this about? What is this saying for us? But we believe that the story of God, the grand story of God includes you. It includes me. And we participate in that together. When we put them into the center of our life and they get into us, something happens. Did you know that even in our weakness, we as followers of Jesus have this one thing, this story, and here's what I mean. I'm going to tell you a story. This story came from a show I like listening to called Under the Influence, and it goes like this. There's a story of one 10-year-old boy who decided to study judo, despite the fact that he had lost his left arm in a tragic accident. The boy began lessons with an old Japanese judo master. The boy was doing well, so he couldn't understand why. After three months of training, the master had taught him only one move. Sensei, the boy finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? Ah, this is the only move you need to know. But this is the only move Yeah, this is the only move you will ever need to know, the sensei replied. Not quite understanding, but believing the teacher, the boy kept training. Several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament. Surprising himself, the boy easily won the first two matches. The third match proved to be more difficult, 
But after some time, his opponent became impatient and, and charged. So the boy deftly used his one move to win even that match. Still amazed by his success, the boy was now in the finals. This time, his opponent was bigger, stronger, and way more experienced. For a while, the boy appeared to be overmatched. And concerned that the boy might get hurt, the referee called a timeout. He was about to stop the match when the sensei intervened. No, the sensei insisted. Let him continue. Soon, after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake. He dropped his guard. Instantly, the boy used his move to pin him down. The boy had won the match and the tournament. He was a champion. On the way home, the boy and the sensei reviewed every move in each and every match. And the boy summoned his courage to ask what was really on his mind. Sensei, how did I win the tournament with only one move? You won for two reasons, the sensei answered. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in all of judo. And second... The only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. The boy's weakness had become his biggest strength. Look around for a minute at the disciples of Jesus in the Bible. These were not great warriors. They were not great philosophers. They were bad at doing their taxes. They were not great religious leaders of their day. Jesus did not start his ministry in Rome or even in Jerusalem. He started in Galilee, the equivalent of east of Calgary, right? In even his own story was messy. He was born in a stable under Roman oppression and on the run from Egypt as a boy. Look around and you'll see that God stepped into the world with only one move. One move. To remind the world of their belovedness to God. Jesus reminded the people of the story of God and their part in it. And then he enacted that story every day by bringing peace and mercy and healing and hope to those he met. This weak Jesus, who even died a criminal's death with a ragtag group of followers, had no power. In fact, the Bible says that he relinquished power to be here. But he had far more, didn't he? And he ended up, uh, and that ended up being his power. He demonstrated the utter love of God for people. And it was powerful. Now I want you to look at us. <laughs> We're meeting in a gym during a pandemic with tight budgets and a mix of every kind of person and idea here. We don't have campaign signs around town. We really only have one good-looking pastor. Yeah. I mean, behind the eight ball, right? Totally behind the eight ball. But Jesus knows how this story goes, and I think I do too. You see, me, we might not have much, but like Jesus' followers, we have far more than we know. You see, the story of God is our ace in the hole. The story of God, that God views us as his beloved, guess what? This is our one judo move. 
the hidden treasure, the great reward, the pearl of great price, this rediscovering and reading the Bible over and over again, it puts the story of God and our identity as God's beloved, it puts us inside of us until we finally got some muscle memory to work from. So that when something challenging happens, like a pandemic, guess what? We have something to work with. We have one move, and we wondered, why over and over does Jesus say, love God and love neighbor? And he says, do it again and again and again. Good, you did it? Now let's do it again and again and again. Do you, do you want to come and talk to me? Please, do it every morning. Please, read the Bible again. Oh, do you think that you know the story of Jesus and the loaves and fishes? I want you to read it again and again, because there's going to come a time when you are going to need that move. It is one move that we have. We don't have much else. We come to it with a deficit, a missing arm, a limp, a trouble, a sorrow. We come to the story of God missing something, but guess what? When we are missing something, God comes with something even greater, and he's like, I've been training you. (laughs) You've been learning how to step into hard places. I've been putting the word of God on your heart, some of us since we were young, and we wondered, is this going to do anything for us one day? Is having the Bible stories in us going to do anything? And I think we are at a moment where we are the one-armed judo kid with only one special move, and because we have spent time learning it, and it found a home deep in us in a way that nothing else or no one can take from us, that we are this, we are God's beloved. This is powerful stuff. I get calls as a pastor from people who carry many things in their hearts. They have had wealth or positions or relationships or real estate. All these things that they have spent their time building and they call me saying, it is not helping me right now. And I say, do you have this in your heart that you are God's beloved? That God is in the business of loving you and showing you. So, getting this story into us, the nuances, the threads of it, getting this story into us, it takes time and practice. I am, I am, uh, I, mean, I, I follow something called Version Bible app, and there's a couple people who are my friends on it, and these are people, and I won't name them, there's two of them in this room today, who read it, and guess what, they don't know this, but I get little alerts that say that they've been reading their Bible. I don't know how, why, why that that happens, we should probably, like, it's funny though, but guess what, these two people who, who I know who pop up on my little screen and say they've been reading their Bible, I smile, because you know why? I know what their journey has been over this past season. And they have been getting the word of God into their heart, and guess what, they are deeply transformed people. They've been able to weather through tears and joy. They've been able to weather this time. Because they know that God is the one who overcomes. They are reminded of their belovedness and God's love for all. And in their practicing, they are learning to step into God's story over and again. They can see that the story of Chestermere and the story of Lakeridge is God's story. That kind of extends past the Bible and is working now. So. I'm going to end by taking a look at just a couple pieces of scripture here. So maybe if you have this, this little piece of paper in front of you, I just want to point out a couple of these and show how people got the word of 
God, this story deep inside of them, and it helps them. Um, I have here, I, uh, I'm so interested in this. In fact, I've found that those who have got the story of God inside of them see the way that God is faithful with them in the hard times. And so uh, there's copies of this. It's faith today, and I wrote the, the cover story for it. It's called Ode to Reading. Here's to the joy in life that spiritual books can bring. And so this, uh, when I got this, Scotia said, that's daddy opening a book and letting me in. <laughs> uh, and I think that it kind of looks like me in Scotia. So I thought that that was kind of cool. Anyway, there's copies of this. But in it, I try to unpack and say, during this hard time, we need to be readers. Did you know that the church grew and thrived as literacy rates grew and thrived? People would read the word of God and get it in their hearts. And I think we as people of God need to be readers and hearers of the word again. Okay, so I'm going to just take a look briefly at Genesis 28 and Romans 12, and then we will finish up today. In the story of Genesis 28, Jacob, he was on the run, and he had only one move with God. <laughs> he had only one move, and it was a promise that God gave to his grandpa that God was going to take care of him and all of his descendants. And guess what? Jacob made some bad turns, and he was on the run. He was on the run from his brother that wanted to kill him, and he was off. Not with any hope in the world that God's promise would come true. And he has this dream in the night, and God meets him and reminds him of the promise. And, it's, and God says this, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised to you. Jacob has this moment where he's reminded that his story and God's story are connected. And he is safe in that story. And he wakes up and he is just blown away by it. He says, the Lord is certainly in this place and I did not know it. How many times during this pandemic did we say, I don't know where God is? And God is saying, I have a promise for you. My story does not exclude you, but includes you even in these dark times. So he does what crazy people do when they sense that they are loved, is they do crazy things. And he takes his rock that he was sleeping on, he's like, all I got is a rock, and he makes this pile, and it's a memory that people walk by for hundreds of years after, pointing at it and saying, this is the place that God met our grandfather Jacob. And you know what? They knew that their grandfather Jacob laid on this rock when he had not a hope in hell. And heaven came down to him. And met him there. Do you see? The story of God got in him. And he was part of the story of God. And now his generations after point at it and go, Whoa. Our children will look at the masks we wore. Because we're all going to put them up in frames one day. And say, God met my parents during this hard time. God cared for his church during a hard time. God loved Chestermere during a hard time. And you know what his response was besides setting it up? He declared that this is God's house. This is where God lives. I think when we go through something hard and God meets us, we point and we say, God is here. He is not away. He is here. And you know what he did at the end? He was generous. He said, I'm going to give stuff. Jesus, too, when he met people and did something for them, they said, we want to be generous. This pandemic makes us clamp down and be ungenerous, but the Bible points that people who meet God and the story gets in them, they become generous. It's a sign, actually of the Holy Spirit working in your life. So we skip forward to Romans. 
And Paul's talking to uh, the church in Rome, and I think that this is what we're going to leave us with today, is this message here. So I'm going to read this for you, Romans 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. When we see that our life has, is wrapped up in the story of God, then everything we have is wrapped up in that story too. And we can give it to God as an offering. Say, here it is. My experience of you, my belovedness. I love what, he, what it says here, this version. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. I love that. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Do you think God is okay with a bunch of rabble-rouser um, followers? The ragtag group that meets in the gym? The group that doesn't know if they're, who they're voting for on the election? The group that's trying to serve Jesus well, but not, not really sure which way is up? Guess what? You just take what God has given you and give it back to him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Friends, I do not know how to take each of you on a discipleship journey towards Jesus. But what I can say, along with the whole covenant church, is say that when we put the word of God in our hearts and put that at the center of us, guess what? It gives us different eyes than what the culture is telling us to do. The culture is giving us this language of fear and anxiety and getting my way right away as soon as I can. And the story of God gives us a way to go on our knees before God and say, I give my life to you. We are the people who turn with open hands, offering our lives to God, because that is the only way to live in our beloved. Friends, this is a challenging time. But I hope that you'll have switched this alert button on inside of you to pay attention because I think God is showing us something and it is a good thing and I think it's a freeing thing that lets us breathe again. I think we're spiritually going to take off masks one day and go, oh, thank you, God. You are doing more than giving me a new breath of fresh air. You are giving me my identity back. So may we be the people who mature in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace as you go from here. Thank you for coming.